1: Larry Bluestein, Danny Garcia, up until 8 o'clock this evening. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday evening. Also, thanks to Matt Merchell from the Orlando Sentinel talking UCF football. Now we turn our attention to the FSU Seminoles, undefeated at 7-0. Really a tremendous team, one of the top four teams in the country, playing in basically well in every phase of the game. Huge win over Duke. Um, At home uh, And from what I heard That the crowd was there Was electric A lot of recruits on hand uh, This week Uh, They had um, And I guess uh, To a a pretty tough opponent too When you look at it Uh, Wake Forest has always been Even though they're 4-3 and this year They're they're always a, a team that'll give you a heck. Uh, somebody who's covering FSU for a long, long time, and he does it for the Rivals Network, uh, the Osceola. Uh, Charles Fishbine is kind enough to join us. Charles, thanks so much for taking the time on this Thursday evening. And uh, uh, exciting times in Tallahassee.
0: Oh yeah, they're 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 very good football teams. So
1: no doubt. Um, I know you expected uh, them to be really good. I mean, uh, obviously, they returned a lot of kids. They probably hit the portal as well as anybody over the last couple years. Last year, getting Johnny Wilson, a couple of other pieces uh, uh, to go with, and then this year they added some more. Talk about this team, uh, you know, what their strengths, their weaknesses are, you know, heading down the home stretch.
0: Well, they have a veteran quarterback in Jordan Travis, and then adding the two pieces of Keon Coleman and Jaheen Bell, um, have just taken their offense to another level. Those two guys have basically had an impact in every game. Uh, Keon Coleman was a big-time kid out of Louisiana that uh, went to Michigan State and then transferred to FSU this off season, and they, they landed a big-time player. He's, he helped them win the LSU game, and he's had, made an impact pretty much in every game he's played in this year
1: yeah and he was a, a actually he was the number two rated basketball player in the country coming out of high school so uh, i mean this is a great athlete and certainly one of the uh, a great pro- program you talk about jordan travis this is a guy that maybe at the beginning of his career when he when he came uh, to fsu um a lot of people say well, you know he's a very good athlete i don't know if he's what we're looking for over the last two years he's been lights out i mean he's been I think is as good as anybody in the country uh yeah, he's athletic, but throws the ball real well, very intelligent guy now, talk about his leadership
0: yeah, I mean his work ethic and what he's done off the field he's made himself into a quality uh division one you know power five quarterback. He wasn't that when he got to Florida State. he's more of an athlete uh, he had to turn himself into a quarterback and I think that's a lot of credit to him, you know I think the coaches have done a good job, but he really wasn't the type of player to play at Florida State when they brought him in. Um, you know, even the coaches kind of showed that. You know, Blackman started over him. Um, you had some other guys start over him. Uh, you know, Milton. They brought Milton in from UCF, right. so you knew that uh, he wasn't really their guy. And you know what? He he stayed there, and unlike most kids, didn't you know get you know he didn't panic and decide to hit the transfer portal. And they benefited from it
1: yeah no doubt i think one of the the places on the offense that uh you and i were talking about maybe a couple years ago was the offensive line how it kind of went downhill but not so much now. I mean, you got some really, really good uh, players. Couple of transfers, you know, like Casey Reddick, uh, Roddick, uh, rather, and Maurice Smith, who's really filled in uh, very well at center. And then Dimitri Emmanuel. Uh, the offensive line now, I think, really, when you watch him play against uh, quality football teams, really shows up as uh, a very, a very big part of that offense.
0: Yeah, their line was real bad for about three or four years, and Norvell had to really. Turn it around. And, you know, Marie Smith is a homegrown, developed kid that they developed out of Miami Central that probably shouldn't have played early on. He had a bunch of injuries mainly because he wasn't ready to play. And now they could add the extra pieces uh, with uh, the Emmanuel kid, Demetri Emanuel, who came from uh, uh, Coastal Carolina, and they, you know, or Charlotte, um, Charlotte, actually. They, they added some extra pieces, like you said, Casey Roddick from Colorado, and then Jeremiah Byers. Plus, you know, they have guys. Uh, that Darius Washington that they developed out of high school. So it's been a nice little mix. This year's been a, a little bit up and down, uh, but they it seems like they're finally coming through. You know, coming together. It takes time for guys, especially guys from other programs. People think you just plug and play them because they were starters at another program, but it takes about five or six games for them to really gel, and that's what's happened the last couple of weeks.
1: No doubt. Charles Fishbine joins us from the uh, Rivals Network and uh, covers FSU, does recruiting for them as well. And on the defensive side, got some interesting faces and guys that you and I watched in high school. Uh, Patrick Payton, uh, who we probably initially saw as a safety, and then he moved to the defensive end spot. Uh, And also Tatum Bethune, who came in for UCF, probably uh, one of the more active and probably one of the best tacklers uh, that the Seminoles have. Talk about those guys.
0: Yeah, well, Bethune kind of stabilized a position for Florida State that's also been another position that they struggled out with at linebacker. He, and now that they have Kalen Deloach, who's been in the program for four or five years, those two guys are upperclassmen. So they're the leaders of that defense. Uh, Tatum makes a ton of plays. You you see his number pop up in every game. Uh, Both of those kids have really helped the defense out a lot.
1: Yeah, secondary-wise, they've really shored things up. Um, obviously, you know, you shut the, the kid Shaheem Brown who came in and Jerry and Jones and Ronaldo green and then Akeem Dent, And then I, uh, even at the beginning, Kevin Knowles from right here at MacArthur.
0: Yeah. Shaheem's a guy that, I mean, they took him late in the process. He really was just one of those guys that, um, came from a program that was run by a former Florida state uh, football player and Brian Allen who recommended him. It was one of those things that they kind of got lucky. Um, that the kids turned out to be that type of player but um I think they're gonna you know they've benefited from him he had a big pick I believe in the last game so uh you know just another very good addition from the coaching staff
1: yeah no doubt and the one thing that you and I kind of talked about you know in the growth of this team certainly was uh, getting the recruiting started. I mean, especially in South Florida and they've certainly done it, you know, over the last couple of years, getting a Conrad Hussey or an Edwin Joseph and then coming up and landing one of the top, uh, uh, guys who who was a junior now reclassified uh to this year and in blunt um talk about that because i know that was a concern uh, for you uh when they first probably three years ago in the transition that they weren't getting the kids uh recruiting wise especially from south florida i think omar graham kind of started that and um has done a pretty good job and and somebody who's really stepped up too this year for him uh, I mean, the, the Kentron Portier kid has gotten a little action, and Hakeem Williams, who I saw the other night play pretty well, so they've got the South Florida market started to tap in pretty good. And I know that you you were kind of concerned about that.
0: Well, it was more—I don't know if it was a concern as it was more was that you know they didn't have the relationships on their staff, um, and you know that these coaches down here they really want you to uh, before you land their top kids. They almost, like, push some of their lesser kids on you. They want you to build those relationships. And there's a trust factor. These coaches down here have to trust you as a coaching staff. And, uh, you know, not being able to get down here because of COVID, uh, they really weren't able to build those relationships early on. And that was more of the concern from that standpoint that they just – were they going to get the time to really build those relationships and then be rewarded Uh, for that patience uh, from not only the administrators, but the coach, you know, how everybody wants to just fire everybody now. Uh, That's just the new thing. It's like, uh, you know, just like your boy, Lincoln Riley, they want to fire him out there now because he's lost two games in a row. It's just, there's a very short uh, leash with these coaches. And my concern was, will they give him enough time? Because, you know, those relationships are very important in recruiting down here, Uh, even with NIL, even with, um, you know, all these guys that are pushing kids all over the place, it's very important to still have relationships.
1: Yeah, and Charles, uh, before I let you go, the one thing that you've always been an advocate of is, you know, trying to recruit these kids, like, you know, maybe as 10th graders and start those relationships early on. Now with the transfer portal, it's kind of tough because high school recruiting has kind of diminished because a lot of coaches and a lot of teams will go after that. <laughs> 21, 22 year twenty-two-year-old kid, rather than a seventeen-year-old kid. Uh, has it changed a lot for you? Because I know you're you're in that line, and you work every day trying to get get kids into college and place them. Ha, has it? You think it's really hurt a lot with the with the transfer I portal? I don't,
0: I don't think it's hurt because you still listen. If you're going to land those guys out of the portal, it's going to come from a prior relationship while you were recruiting that kid out of high school. And you look at the schools like Georgia and Alabama and the schools that are winning at the highest level, they're not really hitting the portal that hard. yeah, they'll pull like two or three kids. It's more of um, to fill a need more than to basically build your classes. I still am of the belief that you gotta build uh, with the homegrown talent because you look at you take a Michigan state for example, they want that portal route. Um, those kids they won with, then they couldn't backfill because they all the high school kids that were worth it, anything left, and they didn't ha- they didn't fill it with another uh, portal class. So that that coach ended up getting fired. Now I know it was over a scandal, but I think it's more they were trying to find a way out after he didn't have a winning season last year, and this year looked like it was going to be another rough season. So it, it's just I think it works both ways. I still think it's very important um, if you're good. And you're uh, and you're in high school. You're still going to get the scholarships. I think it, some of this will actually help some of the lesser schools uh, in the group of five and the one double A's. They may get a quality Division One player now that maybe another school, like you said, was going after an older kid. Well, maybe some of those kids slip through the cracks. But somebody's going to if you could play, somebody's going to offer you a scholarship, and the opportunity will still be there.
1: Yeah, I know, and I agree. Uh, I know you're a big Mario Cristobal fan. You've always admired what he did, his football knowledge, and um, and I know that uh, you've watched everything that he's done. How do you think he's doing now, as uh, in year two? I, I, you know as well as I do, they may have had the worst roster they've ever had last year, so he had a pretty much kind of clean house. Coaching wise, also he had to had to get some a lot of new players. How do you think he's on track right now?
0: Well, I think he had to gut the program because uh, there was an entitlement at that program, and and you look at what he did. He could have probably won another two or three games last year if he kept a lot of those kids around. But at some point, if you want to really build, you got to knock that thing down to the all the way down to the foundation and rebuild that thing. And and you saw it last week. Um, against Clemson, you can see the identity he's trying to build. He's trying to build build a big physical team on both sides of the ball and a team that, you know, when you need to get five yards at the end of the game, uh, they're going to be able to get that five yards on the ground, and everything else will come into place. I I was really impressed the way they played against Clemson last week, and he's on track to take this team to where they need to go, and I think Miami fans, that they're just patient. I, I know it's difficult because it's been a long time, It's been a long time, and it's hard for people to be patient. But remember, you know, after Norvell lost to Jacksonville State, everybody wanted to get rid of him. You've got to give these guys time. You know, you can't just hire them and fire them and hire them and fire them and think that's how you're going to build programs. That's just not the way it works. And I think Miami fans will be very pleased if they're just patient with Mario.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Charles, uh, how does uh, everybody follow you as far as all your writing and stuff with the Rivals Network?
0: Well, I do stuff on my own still. I do the elite scouting Florida stuff. I do, I do uh, more of evaluations uh, for the Florida State site on some of the prospects that they've signed. I, that's pretty much my main job. There is just to give an evaluation on a kid that's committed. Um, I also do st- have stuff on Twitter and uh, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok do or whatever else. What you yeah, your podcast too. What about your podcast? Yeah, we have the we have the FishCast which you've been on and. We've had a lot of good guests as well, so um, you know, it's always fun to do those.
1: Good stuff. Again, Charles, thanks so much for making time for us on a Thursday. Uh we'll uh hook up with you probably this week.
0: No problem. See you soon.
1: Good stuff. Charles Fishbein, Elite Scouting Services, he does all that stuff. It's uh it's exciting to read some of the things he does. He does a really good job uh with the recruiting and, and also keeping up with a lot of those kids nationwide. Goes to a lot of events, and uh, those are the type of people we have as guests on this show um, because they give you information. You need that. Uh, University of Miami Sports Medicine Institute experts. Now, they treat athletes of all levels, elite pros, active adults, and youth athletes. Recover your game. Visit uhealthsportsmedicine.com. That's uhealthsportsmedicine.com. And throughout this entire football season, Everybody kind of got in on AutoNation and AutoNation.com. And did you know they're going to buy your car? That's right. It doesn't matter why you're letting it go or what car you're going to purchase next. AutoNation is paying top dollar for your vehicle and you don't have to buy one from them. This football season, make it easy on yourself by going to AutoNation.com or stop in for a super easy appraisal. The appraisal value you get is valid for seven days or 500 miles, whichever comes first. Best of all, you receive your payment right on the spot. All transactions are subject to in-store verification, vehicle condition, and mileage. See store for details. And as we always know, some restrictions may apply. What drives you drives us at AutoNation. When we come back, we wrap things up. Coach Chris Reed, the head coach at South Dade, is next.